All God's people said amen. amen. Well, grateful to be here today to worship with the people of the Dallas Bible Church and interact with uh, Pastor Brian and other staff members I've been privileged to pray with today. And um, you didn't come to listen to me pontificate. You came to hear the word of God. So let's open our Bibles to Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. Matthew chapter 24, verse 14. I'll be reading from the ESV. Would you repeat responsibly after me? And this gospel of the kingdom will be proclaimed throughout the whole world as a testimony to all nations. And then the end will come. I want to talk about defining the kingdom, this gospel of the kingdom. The assignment that Christ gave to his church was to preach the gospel of the kingdom's to the ends of the earth, and then the end would come. The kingdom message was the central and priority message of Jesus during his three years on earth. Jesus' first words were about his kingdom. Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15 says, now after John was put in prison, Jesus came to Galilee preaching the gospel, the good news of the kingdom of God and saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. It's within your grasp. It's within your reach. It's, it's available to you. Repent and believe in the gospel. In Luke's gospel, chapter 4, verse 43, Jesus said at the outset of his ministry in the early days, I must preach the kingdom of God to the other cities also, because for this purpose I have been sent. For what purpose? To preach the gospel of the kingdom of God. Now, had you asked me about seven, eight years ago, what did Jesus preach? I would have said things like love and salvation and faith and forgiveness and reconciliation and, and healing. I would have given you some uh, good church words, but I would have told you everything that Jesus didn't say. He said his message was the gospel of the kingdom of God. And that's pretty significant because if that's how Jesus defined his message, if that's the brand that Jesus put on his message, that should also be the brand that we put on the message. And we should understand what did Jesus mean by the gospel of the kingdom. He put a qualifier on the gospel. We all know gospel means good news, but the word in its original language was not necessarily a a church term or a biblical term. Uh, it was a term that uh, was used in the world 
for anything that was good news. Uh, doctor gave me a good report. Good news. You're Anglian. Uh, um, I'm getting married next year. Good news. Uh, I got a raise on my job. Good news. So it wasn't simply good news. It was good news about a certain topic, and that topic is the kingdom of God. You know, if good news is through Christ we receive eternal life and abundant life, uh, bad news, if you reject Christ, you receive eternal damnation. And so we must understand that the gospel of the kingdom is a game changer. Uh, Jesus' intermediary words were about his kingdom. The Lord's prayer began and end with the focus on the kingdom. In Matthew 6, 9 and 10, he says, he, he said to his disciples, when ye pray, pray in this manner. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy, thy name. Your kingdom come. The kingdom of God means the comprehensive rule of God in every realm of life, individual life, family life, church life, throughout society. He came to rule, which means you and I are no longer in charge, but he is. In order for Jesus to be your king, you must hold a coronation service and take yourself off the throne of your life and crown Jesus as king and Lord, which means there's no area of your life and my life that's off limits to Jesus. In Matthew 6, 13, he closed the Lord's prayer with this statement, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Jesus came to model and to teach us a word about his kingdom that said would result in us experiencing eternal life and the abundant life. The parables of Jesus centered on the kingdom of God. Over and over, Jesus said to his disciples, the kingdom of God is like, the kingdom of heaven is like. The primary purpose of the parable was to illustrate to the disciples lessons concerning the kingdom of God. His last words on earth were also about the kingdom. In Acts chapter 1, verses 1 through 3, Luke reported that before Jesus ascended into heaven, before Pentecost came some 10 days later, he spent 40 days on earth speaking about things pertaining to the kingdom of God. Who could argue that the primary purpose and message of Jesus was to preach and advance the kingdom of God? If Jesus focused on the kingdom during his last 40 days on earth. If he found that subject matter to be the central subject matter that he addressed, should not the modern day church also be focused on the kingdom of God? The kingdom was inaugurated at his coming. Luke chapter 1 verses 30 through 33 says, the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God, and behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David. 
and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. We tend to talk more about our local church than we talk about the kingdom of God, but the reality is Dallas Bible Church will one day no longer exist. Cornerstone Church, where our pastor will no longer exist. First Baptist Dallas, Bent Creek Bible, Oak Cliff Bible will one day no longer exist. But the angel said to Mary, of his kingdom, there shall be no end. The kingdom of God is eternal. The prophet Isaiah, in Isaiah chapter 9, stepped out on that prophetic mountain of faith and gazed through the telescope of time and saw a baby leaping in the womb of a virgin and cried out, for unto us a child is born, and unto us a son is given, and the government, let me hear you say government, will be up on his shoulder. Jesus didn't just come to establish a local church. He came to establish a government, the rule of God in every realm of society. Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. But in verse 19, he says to the church after telling them it's his church, he says, and I give unto you, I give unto the church, the keys to the kingdom of God. The purpose of the church is to introduce the world to the kingdom. That's our son. He gave us the keys. He gave us the authority. He gave us the power to, to, to loose the kingdom, to release the kingdom, to, to unlock the kingdom. That's what a key does. It, it locks and it unlocks. Am I right about it? And he's given the secret to the kingdom to us. He said it's a treasure hidden in a field, and he gave the kingdom of God, the, the truth of God. He gave the insight of God to the church that we might bring the message of God's kingdom, the good news of the kingdom to the world. Uh, not only did Jesus preach uh, the kingdom, but we will see that John the Baptist also preached the kingdom. It says in those days, John the Baptist came preaching in the wilderness of Judea, said, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, let me ask you a question. How many times do you think Jesus mentioned the word church? Can I suggest to you it was only twice? Matthew 16, 18, and then again in Matthew 18, 17, in the context of church discipline. Twice he mentions the word church, ecclesia, the called out ones. How many times do you think Jesus mentioned the word kingdom? And I suggest to you over 100. So if Jesus talked about the kingdom more than he did the local church, it seems to me there's a message in that for us. Am I right about it? That there's something about this kingdom ought to be fallen from our lips. In Matthew 10 and 7, he said to the disciples, go and preach the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then we read in Acts chapter 17, 
that it was said of the 12 that they turned the world upside down preaching there is another king. The message that the 12 preached was about the king and his kingdom. You know, I remember a few years ago there were hundreds of people in the streets protesting against the uh, presidency of Barack Obama. They did not like many of his policies. And now I see hundreds of people in the streets protesting against the presidency of Donald Trump. They don't like some of his policy. But I want you to know the disciples decided that their choices were not Obama and Trump. They preached there is another king. We do have some options. God didn't come to ride the backs of donkeys or elephants. Jesus didn't come to take sides. He came to take over. And the church has to rise above partisan politics. We will never draw the world as long as our branding, our label. We're known as whites and blacks and Republicans and, and Democrats and conservatives and, and liberals. As long as that our, is that our, that's our branding and not sons and daughters of the kingdom of God, regardless to your politics, regardless to your race, regardless to your socioeconomic status, you and I need to be seen as Children of the kingdom of God. Our message, he is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Vote like you want to. Hold any political, secular philosophy like you want to. But when it comes to his people in his house, there's not but one book that rules. This is the constitution of his kingdom. Have I got a witness? Bible says in Acts 28, 31, Paul dwelt two whole years in his rented house and received all who came to him preaching the kingdom of God and teaching things which concerned the Lord Jesus Christ with all confidence, no one forbidding him. What was the issue at his crucifixion? Pilate asked Jesus in John's gospel, chapter 18, verse 33, he, Pilate said, are you the king of the Jews. Did you come to rule over a particular people group? The rules. The, the Jews. Did you come to rule over a particular land? Israel or Palestine? And Jesus answered in John 18, 36, my kingdom is not of this world. You look on the map, you can see the kingdom of England and the kingdom of Spain and the kingdom of Congo or Ghana or Brazil or or Portugal, or China, or Japan, but you won't find a place on the map called the kingdom of God because he says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof and they that dwell therein. He came to rule over every kingdom because the angel said in Revelation chapter 11, when the trumpet will sound that the kingdom of this world shall become the kingdom of our God and his Christ and he shall reign forever and ever and ever. Amen. So when he preached the gospel of the kingdom, he wants every nation to be saturated with his words, with the understanding of who he is, to know him and to worship him as king. 
And when he rules in each individual's heart, in each family's heart, when he rules in each neighborhood, when he rules in each church, when he rules in each society, it doesn't matter who's in the White House, it's the church house that's going to rule. That's the reason Jesus said, ye are the light of the world and the salt of the earth. What does salt do? It seasons, it flavors, it preserves. And as the kingdom of God, we ought to season society. How many know North Dallas ought to be better because the saints of God live here? Uh, we, ought, we ought to flavor society. It ought to taste better among the people of God, the school system. Uh, the judicial system, the, uh, the, the medical system, uh, uh, all sectors of society ought to have a different and better flavor because the people of God's kingdom are here. We're the salt of the earth. Uh, marriages, instead of the statistics showing divorces are increasing, they ought to decrease because salt preserves, salt preserves families. Salt preserves marriages. Salt preserves community. All not to be decadence. All not to be decayed. It all not to be declined. Why? Because the sons and daughters of the kingdom are here. We just don't come to church once a week and hear sermon and sing a few songs, and that's it. He said, now go and be the people of God. Go and be the government of God. Go and be Israel, the rule of God, to be change agents in society. And so when Pilate asked Jesus, are you a king then? He says, you say rightly that I am king. For this cause was I born and for this cause I have come into the world. And Matthew 18, 37 says, and they put over his head the accusation written against him. This is Jesus, the king of the Jews. The charge against Jesus that put him on the cross was that he claimed that he was king. And how many of you know you can't be a king unless you have a kingdom? If he was king, what was his kingdom? You are, I am, the people of God are his kingdom. So that kingdom was validated as, at his resurrection. He proved he was king. Chapter 1, verse 3 of Acts says, To whom he also presented himself alive after his suffering by many infallible proof. He told Thomas, feel the wounds in my side. Thomas cried out, my Lord and my God. Because he is the only so-called messianic figure of Savior who's got up from the grave. The grave is empty. He has risen from the dead. And that makes Jesus Lord. That makes him king. Mark 9, 1 says, And he said to them, Assuredly I say unto you, that there are some standing here who will not taste death until they see the kingdom of God present with power. The kingdom of God is supernatural. There's a power in his kingdom that will supersede any other power that exists. This was fulfilled in the book of Acts. On the day of Pentecost, we saw the kingdom coming with power. There was a miracle of sight. Uh, 
That was a miracle of sound. That was a miracle of speech. They heard people uh, speaking in languages that they did not know. They had the sight of cloven tongues of fire sitting on hair. Uh, they had the miracle of not only sight but sound. They heard the sound of a mighty rushing wind. The world was changed that day on the day of Pentecost. The, the church was empowered with the power of the kingdom of God. And here it is some 2,000 years later. What happened in Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost has spread to the ends of the earth. And I'm here in this church today with young, young adults, uh, youth and babes, uh, red, yellow, black, and white. Why? Because the kingdom of God has come with power. And he said that kingdom will be consummated when he returns. Revelation 19, 16 says, and on his robe and on his thigh, a name will be written, King of kings and Lord of lords. This kingdom is a present reality and a future hope. This kingdom is relational. Revelation chapter 1, verse 9 talks about the, the brotherhood of the kingdom. He says the kingdom of God is like a, a drag net. He says you have all kind of fish in the net. That's why I've seen the diversity in two of these services today because he says when you go and preach the kingdom and compel them to come, you don't determine the kind of folk in the net. You just go fishing and bring what's ever in the net. You ought to say amen right there. The kingdom of God is practical. He says, feed the hungry, visit those who are in prison, clothe the naked. And if you do it to the least one of these in my name, he says, you're blessing me. You say, how can I take this kingdom message and make a difference where I am? You could take focus off of making sure your own needs are being met and recognize that somebody within your sphere of influence and outreach, somebody you could touch and inconvenience yourself for one hour and a bottle of water will make a difference. Some diapers will make a difference. Some groceries will make a, a difference. Sometimes just a phone call of encouragement will make a difference. Reconciling broken relationships makes a difference because the kingdom of God is relational. The kingdom of God is practical. The kingdom of God is universal. Psalms 115, 16 says, the heaven, even the heavens are the Lord's, but the earth he has given to the children of men. The whole earth belongs to you and I. Because we're sons and daughters of the king. John 12, to many has received him. To them gave him the authority, the right, the ability to become the children of God, even to them that believe on his name. You see, the problem with the church today, we've either put on a, 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 a New York uh, Giants uniform or a cowboy uh, uniform, and we sort of war against each other. The church was never called to be a cowboy giant. We are called to be the umpires, the referees. We are to represent the righteousness 
of God. We are the ones that ought to throw the, the penalty flag. We should have thrown and said, time out as a church when they tried to and succeeded in endorsing same-sex marriages. Had the church been unified, had the church been the kingdom and not separated like McDonald's farm, a click over here and a click over there, here, click there, clicking everywhere, click, click. How many know that's unity and strength? That's, that's, that's power in numbers. But we were impotent as a church because we're divided by race, we're divided by class, we're divided by doctrine, we're divided by denomination. That leaves us impotent to affect, impact, and change society because the emphasis has not been on us being a kingdom, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one people. Regardless to the label you wear, the emphasis has been on the church. Something Jesus didn't emphasize. And when he needed us the most to stand up and say, here is what represents the kingdom of God, and our votes are going to reflect that we were too divided to make a difference. But I believe God's going to give the church in America another chance to get it right. It's interesting. Um, when we have football games, baseball games, certain events, we sing the Star Spangled Banner, Oh Say Can You See by the Dawn's Early Light. And many of you are not aware that the black folk have, we got our own national anthem. It's called Lift Every Voice and Sing by James Weldon Johnson. We sing a separate uh, banner. W.B.D.B. Du Bois says we are uh, citizens of two worlds, we have to learn the, the national anthem, and then we have to learn the Negro national anthem. But how many know when the church comes together, we don't sing either one. We sing the Saints national anthem, Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound, That Saved the Rest Like Me. That puts us all on the same page. People who have been redeemed and saved by the grace of God. And how many of you know that your dominant uh, identity ought not be your race, ought not be your theological camp, ought not be your political uh, persuasion? Your dominant identity ought to be I'm a child of the king. And if that's my identity and if that's your identity, how many of you know we can join hearts and hands and walk this road together, making a difference? for our king. And so the kingdom of God is supernatural. Matthew 12, 29 says, when you see the activity of God in the life of his people, that's evidence that the kingdom of God has come. When you see the finger of God moving in the life of his people, whenever you see God's people together, there ought to be enough power, spiritual power in the room for us to see God's finger at work, God's hand at work. Even on the day of Pentecost, it says they were gathered all together on one accord in one place, and then the Spirit has come. Don't underestimate the power of unity and oneness to the power and presence of the Holy Spirit. Psalm 1611 says, in his presence, there is fullness of joy. If you want full joy, if you want to see his hand, his finger, the secret to it is seeking his kingdom, seeking his 
presence. He said that ye shall seek me and find me when ye search for me with all your heart. There ought to be something that goes on in your life and mine, your ministry and mine, your family and mine, your congregation and mine, that you cannot explain it, but the finger of God showed up. The finger of God went into that jail cell. The finger of God went into that hospital room. The finger of God touched that situation. Flying from Memphis back to Dallas after I preached a couple of days a few years ago. And when, by the time we became airborne, up in there, 10 minutes or so, the pilot announced, he said, ladies and gentlemen, we, have, we are experiencing engine failure. And we're going to have to return to Memphis and we'll be on the ground in about 10 minutes. I thought to myself, engine failure, that doesn't sound too good when you're up in there. I began to thank God for the second engine. said, Lord, please. And I laid at the back of the plane when we got back in the ground. She took a picture of one of the engines was literally on fire. I didn't know that. I just could hear a knock, knock, knock. And we kind of looked around, a, a knock, knock, knock. And everybody got quiet. And we began to hear something that sounded like that. And when you experience some it wasn't major turbulence, but some light turbulence and the pilot has already announced engine failure. How many know if you ever had a prayer like that's the time to use it? <laughs> and as I sat there, I thought I got two choices, either to panic or praise. And, said, and I decided I didn't want to go out in a panic. If I'm going to go out, I want to go out in a praise. And the Holy Spirit began to bring back to my memory scriptures and prayers that I had heard and prayed all of my life. How many of you know you have to pray from conviction and not from crisis? If you wait till the crisis to practice praying, that can be too late. Jesus said when you pray, remember Thy kingdom come. And if there ever was a time I needed the kingdom to come and rule and take over this flight and land us safely to the other side, I needed the kingdom to come then. And so I began to pray and say, oh, Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth. Great are you, Lord. And greatly to be praised from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, your name shall be praised. I begin to lift my heart and hand and says, our Father who art in heaven, you control the earth, the sky, the sea. God, you are larger than charge. God, you are sovereign. God, there's nothing too hard for you. Things that are impossible with men are possible with God. And I just want to give your name glory and praise for your name is great. And as I just begin to worship God and pray and intercede for my family, the next thing I know, we were on the ground. Now, I can't tell you that it was just simply the engine that wasn't on fire that kept the plane up, but I do know things go better when you put it in the master's hand. Things go better when you allow the finger of God 
to intervene in your situation. I got a sister in the hospital right now. I'm going to Jackson, Mississippi. 72 years old, just retired as a, a doctor gynecologist two years ago. Apparently was bitten by a mosquito. Now she's lying in a hospital room the last 10 days with West Nile virus. And I shared that with the staff this morning and they prayed, God let heaven invade her body. Let the kingdom of God come upon her. I can't explain it, but it was something about taking it out of my hands and putting it into the hands of the kingdom that the kingdom of God would change your perspective. A problem with that was this big before you gave it over to the king and his kingdom. It shrinks this small when you put it in his hands. We need to understand. Jesus said, do not worry. Three times in the Sermon on the Mount, do not worry. Do not worry. If you just see yourself as a Christian and not a part of the kingdom, you'll end up worrying about things that he told you don't worry about. Luke 12, he says, fear not, little flock. Don't fear. He says, because it's the Father's good pleasure to do what? Give you the kingdom. And he said, if you seek his kingdom and his righteousness, whatever else you need will be added unto you because the kingdom of God is supernatural and the kingdom of God is eternal. As I take my seat, the psalmist says that who is this king of glory? Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lifted up, ye everlasting doors, for the king of glory shall come in. I'm preaching to somebody who got a financial need, a legal issue a crisis in your family. I'm preaching to somebody right now who's facing a medical issue that's beyond your capacity to fix it yourself. I'm here to tell you that this king of glory is available to you and I today. I'm here to tell you once it's given to the kingdom and no longer in your hands. I cannot promise you and tell you the outcome, but I will tell you things go better in the master's hand. Do you believe that today? Stand on your feet with me. We want to pray that this great big God of the universe, the God that stepped out on nothing and stood on nowhere and hung something where there was nothing and said, stay there. That God right now today wants to invade your circumstances. He says, seek the kingdom. He said, receive the kingdom. He says, you're born again, not into the church, but except a man be born again, he shall not enter into what? The kingdom of God. When you're part of a kingdom, the kingdom has certain responsibilities Towards you. You're a citizen of God's kingdom. George W. Bush put the military on alert and sent them to Iraq, Iran, where two missionaries had been detained and they were suspected of being spies. And he put the military muscle and might of the U.S. government to protect those two missionaries. And they released those missionaries within two days. 
Why? Because they were citizens of the United States of America. Anybody remember when that happened? Now, if an earthly president would deploy the power of an earthly government to rescue two people, not that they were famous or rich, they were just citizens. How many know you're citizens of the kingdom of heaven? Philippians 3.20. And because you are a citizen, the king of kings said not even a sparrow falls to the ground without his knowledge. The king of kings says the lilies of the field are clothed. Sparrows have food to eat. So whatever that situation that you're confronting today, whatever area of your life you have compartmentalized from God, not understanding that he wants complete rule, complete reign. This is our moment to leave here better than we came. This is our moment to leave here with a low lift. I can't tell you why, but the perspective on my sister changed when I heard anointed prayer for her today. How many of you believe your situation can change today? Come on, let's worship God.